Well, all right, thank you for being here this weekend. Uh, we're in this series, Lost Connection, walking through the book of Ephesians. And so today, the title of this message, and you'll understand the title when we read the verse, but the title of this message is, um, He's Got Me on Speakerphone. And so here, here's the verse. Here's the focal verse that we're just going to look at today. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can, you can either turn with me or click to, turn to. Uh, let me just tell you, just, I, I usually kind of help you navigate so that you know where we're headed in, in Scripture. Uh, John 14, 15, 16 will be in, in the Gospels, and then uh, Proverbs chapter 23. As we, as we look at this, this topic today, uh, he's got me in speakerphone, on speakerphone. So here, here's what the Scripture says. So it's, it's two imperatives. In other words, it's two commands that Paul is coming to the place um, that he gives these two imperatives. And so, and so the scripture says, and do, no, do not be drunk with wine. And since we live in Colorado, do not be drunk with wine or weed. Okay? So <laughs> just need to get that out there. We just need to clear that up. It's being uh, intoxicated on a substance. So do not be drunk with wine or weed, even though it's legal, uh, for... That is debauchery, or anyway, that leads you in a place where you don't, do not want to go. We're going to understand what debauchery means in a minute. Uh, but, so here's the second imperative, here's the second command, but be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on your church background, uh, that phrase, be filled or be full of the Holy Spirit, can, can maybe cause you some questions, it may ca cause some emotion. I believe that's where the weight of this message is. But we want to deal with the entire verse. We want to deal with both imperatives because he's talking about don't be under the influence of this, but be under the influence of this. And so we want to understand what that is. Um, so the first one. The first one is this, living under the influence of a substance. So Paul begins talking, do not be drunk with wine or weed, and are living under the influence of a substance. So the Bible talks about this issue of debauchery. The Bible talks about when you live under the influence of a controlled substance, that it can lead you places, it will lead you places where you do not want to go. See that Greek word for debauchery in classical Greek, they use this word. It just wasn't the um, squandering of something or wasting something. It was the extravagance of. It was extravagantly wasting whether it, was, whether it was resources, whether it was money, whether it was talent. And so what, what he's saying is this, is that this issue is that it leads to, or it is debauchery, to where it's a process, to where it can be, it can be a process, it can be a slow process. And so I want to give you some, I just want to give you some results or some dangers, what the Bible says about this issue of being drunk on wine. The first one is this, it places you at great risk. In other words, it puts you, it puts you in a place of great risk uh, because what it says is it slowly seduces you. It slowly leads you to a place to where you do not want to end up. In other words, when you look at the Bible, especially on this subject, the Bible is very clear where this road ends or where this road leads you to. The second danger of this, of being drunk on wine, is this issue of or being influenced by a controlled substance is, is it can cause people to go places and do some things that they wouldn't normally do. That when they're in the, under the influence of a controlled substance. Proverbs 20 verse 1 talks about this issue. and says, woe is to the mocker, woe is a mocker, or wine is a mocker, string, uh, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led, so there you see that word, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. 
In other words, that word led astray, saying it's a process, it's, it's this process to where you wander, to where you no longer have any direction in life, you no longer have any um, meaning in life, you've been misdirected, you've been, you've been quietly seduced into a lifestyle where you did not intend to go. Now, Proverbs 23 talks about this subject a great deal. Fact is, there's a lot of things that we can pull out of Proverbs 23 to understand this. Proverbs 23, verse, verse 29 says, says this, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? So he's going to answer the question. Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. In other words, what he's talking about, he's talking about this influence of a substance. And this influence of a substance will give you woes. It will give you unnecessary sorrows. It will give you unnecessary strife. He even makes a statement and he says, and who has wounds with, without cause? Towards these, it's these problems, it's these, it's, these, it's these complaints, it's these issues, it's these, it's these problems in life. It's these needless bruises is what he says. And see, the world... The world calls it happy hour for a reason, because it only lasts for about an hour. Sooner or later, you've got to deal with it. Sooner or later, you've got to deal with the consequences. And so the writer of Proverbs and Paul is helping us to understand the danger of being influenced by a controlled substance in your life. The third thing is this, when, when you're influenced in that, you don't see things as they really are. You can come to the place in your life to where you don't see things as they really are. You lose the ability, what Scripture tells us, that you lose the ability to see truth. You lose the ability to make right decisions. I mean, someone can speak in, in someone else's life that has a problem in this area, and they'll say, I don't have a problem. I know what I'm doing. I know my limits. I know how much I can handle. I, you know what? I'm not like them. I'm not like everybody else. I, I'm not like them. I'm balanced, all these other things. And so the Bible is honest about the end results of this life. Proverbs 23, verse 32 says, Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things, and your heart, your heart's going to utter perverse things. You'll be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like the one who lies on top of a mast. In other words, you, you, you can't see the, chur the, the truth. Uh, people can try to speak the truth into your life, and you're defensive, and you say, it's just not me, I don't have a problem. But, but the direction of your life becomes meaningless it, it, it is lack of purpose it, and you know the the house may be on a foundation but it seems to to move like a like a like a cruise ship there's no stability another result of living a life under the influence of of a, of a substance is this you lose the ability to feel pain you know what this may be one of the most dangerous ones this may be one of the most difficult ones i don't know if you've ever thought of this but pain is a gift from God. Our ability to feel pain, our ability to sense pain physically and emotionally and spiritually is, is really a gift from God. The writer of Proverbs in 23:35 says this. He says, they struck me and you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I wake? I must have another drink. In other words, that you lose the ability to feel pain and 
And a lot of times that's, that's the reason people uh, are under the influence of a, of, of a, of a substance because they want to they wanna escape, they want to they wanna numb the pain uh, and all those other things. But, but I'm just telling you, I don't know if you know this, but you, your problems can swim. And sooner or later you've got to deal with it. The gift of pain is a gift from God. The blisters on your feet, the pain on your, on your toes can, can alert you to a problem that maybe your shoes are too small or maybe that you've got a problem or that an inf- infection is setting in. I mean, there's, there's some medical procedures, right, that the doctor won't put you all the way under. He won't totally numb the pain because he or she wants you to be able to sense some pain so you can alert them to some things going on in your body. I mean, when you go see a dentist, right, and they numb your mouth, they warn you, don't gnaw your, you know, don't, don't chew your lip off because you're not going to feel a thing. I'm telling you, this issue of pain, this issue of pain is a, is a gift from God. And it, it's designed, pain is designed to tell you there's a problem, to tell you there's a problem maybe in your life, maybe in your life spiritually, maybe in your life emotionally, maybe in your life physically. And pain alerts you to that, that something in your life needs to get attention. But listen, if you keep numbing the pain, you will never get help. What the writer of Proverbs is saying is what Paul is trying to get us to understand. Another result of being under the influence of a substance is it can move to an addiction without any warning. Nobody can tell you. Nobody can tell you when you move to, a, to, to an addict or when you move to, a, to an alcoholic. Nobody can tell you if you're predisposed. Nobody can tell you what that looks like. What we know is it's a process. And, and, and here's what Proverbs 23, 35 says again. When shall I wake? I must. It's an addict. It's an alcohol. I must. I must have another drink. In other words, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Man, this is a picture of an uh, addiction, and I'm just telling you, as a pastor, I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to hundreds of people, family members, individuals, and I've, I've listened to them tell me things like, I, I wish, I'd, wish I'd never started, wish I'd never started using, wish I'd never started drinking. I've heard family members say, wish they never had started, wish, we can I tell you this? I've never yet, I've never met yet someone who walked up to me and said, you know, Pastor, I wish I had started drinking. Never. Ever. So the Bible is talking, what Paul is talking about this issue, make sure what you're influenced by, make sure what you're controlled by is the Spirit of God. And not a controlled substance, not something else, but you make sure you're controlled, you're led. You can say it so many different ways in Scripture. You're full of the Holy Spirit. That leads us to the second thing and where I believe we're just going to settle on the weight of this message is. Living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So read that verse one more time, verse 18. The Scripture says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but, so here's the imperative, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now just some history, uh, so we just kind of understand the same. Jo- uh, John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus is meeting with, with the disciples. They're about ready to take the Lord's Supper, something we're going to do at the close of this service. And so Jesus knows what's ahead of him. The disciples don't. 
And so Jesus begins talking to the disciples in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. You read it later for yourself, and, and, and it's a conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. And he's basically letting them know. He's basically telling them, I'm about ready to go. I'm going to go away, but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am going to send the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit to you. And, and if I do not go... I cannot send him. If I do not go, he cannot come. And so Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. So let's just grab some verses. I'm going to read a lot of verses in John 14 and, and 16. John 14, 25 says this. These things, Jesus is speaking, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, and if you notice helper in the ESV is capitalized as an exact uh, equivalency translation, which means he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is, your, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. These are so important. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins talking about this, this issue of the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word for the, for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. simply means this, to come alongside of, to come alongside of the believer, to guide the believer. The most popular translation of the Holy Spirit or popular definition is the comforter. He's a comforter. Now listen, I, I think that many of us have something in our homes that is called a comforter uh, in we didn't need one in Texas. The fact is, there were two things that we, we had, but we didn't, need in, or we didn't need in Texas, a fireplace and a comforter. Uh, we had a fireplace. We would start the fireplace. We'd start a fire, and we'd turn on the air conditioner just so we could have a fire. Uh, and so we had that, and, and so we, we moved. When we moved from Houston to, to Colorado, we didn't have a comforter. We didn't really need one in Texas, and we didn't have one, and, and we really couldn't afford one. And so one Christmas, we were here a couple of years, and so my mom buys us a really, really nice comforter. I mean, it was, it was an expensive comforter. I mean, it was like a, a designer comforter. Uh, it, was, it was Calvin Klein, had a Calvin Klein logo on it. I even checked to make sure it wasn't a knockoff, and it, was, it wasn't Calvin Klein. It was Calvin Klein. And so I'm thinking, wow, we got a real designer comforter. I mean, it was thick, and it was soft, and that expensive material, it was beautiful. And it had like real down feathers in it. And so I remember getting the gift. I remember Karen taking it and unwrapping it. She's so excited. She put it on the, she put it on the, on the bed. And, and so, you know, the rest of that evening, you know, I kept thinking about the comforter. What was it going to be like to sleep under the comforter and all that other stuff? And so, and so it got to bedtime, and I go into our room and look at the bed, and it's gone. I mean, it's, it's gone. And so you, you ladies know where we're going, Right? We don't. We don't understand. And so, uh, so I looked over, and the comforter had been folded up, and it was, it was, it was, off to the, it was, all, it was just off to the side. And, and I looked at Karen, and, and, and she's like, what? And, and I says, what is, 
what is up with that? And she said, oh, the comforter. It's not to use. <laughs> it's to look at, right? We don't understand that. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I, I've learned there are a lot of things in my house that aren't to use. We're just to look at them, right? Like there are towels in our guest room, or our guest room and our guest bathroom that you can use and I cannot use. There are pillows on the couch that are fluffy and nice that guess what? You come to our house, you can use them. I cannot use them. For me, they're just to look at. They're not to use. And so this comforter is just off to the side and it's, it's not to use. And so I wonder, I wonder how many believers, I wonder how many believers have the comforter and say, oh, it's not to use. That whole comforter thing, that whole Holy Spirit thing, kind of freaks me out. Holy Spirit's person, third person of the Trinity. Some people look at the Holy Spirit like, you know, he was just like the crazy cousin of the Trinity. You can only take him on limited doses. But the problem is, in Scripture, the Scripture says, imperative command, be full of the Holy Spirit. And just say something, uh, Holy Spirit, not weird. Depending on your spiritual background and your view of the Holy Spirit, I would challenge you to have a biblical view regardless of your spiritual background. A lot of people that look at the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, the Holy Spirit's kind of weird. And the reason they say that is, is because they've had some weird examples of the Holy Spirit. Some people have done some weird things and they blamed it on the Holy Spirit, Right? Let's just be honest and not trying to be mean. Some of those people would be weird without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> They're just weird. And so I'm telling you, I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit is not weird. I remember in seminary, I'd made it all the way through seminary, had a couple of classes to go, and I, and I just thought it was so strange. I didn't have one class on the Holy Spirit. I thought, now, isn't this weird? I, I, had a, I had a class dedicated to God. I had a class dedicated to, to, to Jesus. But I didn't have a class dedicated. I mean, we touched on it a little bit. But, but there wasn't. So I, I went to Dr. Wagner. He was head of the, the theological department there. And I, I said, and he was a friend. I says, can I just ask you? And he goes, oh, they don't want anybody to go crazy. So I said, well, you got a book. He goes, I got a fabulous book. It's called Who's Afraid of the Holy Spirit? So I want to challenge you this morning to begin to have a biblical view of the Holy Spirit because Paul says that we're to be full of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives some benefits of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give some of those to you. The first one is this. This isn't all of them, but this is, this is the ones we're going to cover today. The first benefit is the Holy Spirit is the one that draws the sinner, draws the person to himself. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts before you meet Christ, helps you to understand. Listen, when, when we talk about the word convict, convict uh, the sinner, convict a person, that just simply means convince of, convince the need of God. 
John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will rise, rise, uh, raise him up on the last day. And so it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Christ. In other words, when we witness, it's less about us and more about him. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit's job to draw people to him. Listen, we have story after story. We have testimony after testimony in this church that people came here and didn't know Christ. Some met Christ in the worship service. Some met Christ as a result of the preaching. But they come in and they've told a story after story. When I came in this place, I felt this presence. I felt something. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to explain it. But I just knew I needed it. I just knew I needed Christ. Friday night, I... Uh, Karen and I went with the uh, Connect Ministry Partners, and we celebrated, had a Christmas party with them, and that's the fifth and sixth grade ministry, and I'm telling you, that group, like, wore me out. I mean, I now know why they work with fifth and sixth graders, because uh, that's about their level, and so if your kids aren't in that group, you need to get your kids in that group. Unbelievable group of people. An individual in there that gave me his testimony many years ago he says, my wife and I, we moved to Pueblo for jobs, for the client, for the mountains, for all those other things. And he said, uh, there was a man that just started witnessing to us. And I was resistant to church. I was resistant to God. My wife was even more resistant. And he said, but then there was a time when this man witnessed to me. And it was like his spirit jumped out and grabbed my spirit. And I, I went home and told my wife, we got to go. We now look back over our journey and we realize we just thought we were coming to Pueblo for the climate and for a job, but we were coming for Fellowship of the Rockies so we could meet Christ. John 15, 26, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, 8, and when he comes, he will convict convince the world concerning sin and righteousness we're going to understand that and judgment concerning sin because we do not believe because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because of the ruler of this world has been judged and so he reveals Christ to us before we meet him and another benefit of of the holy spirit is this is he will give the believer special insight in a lot of different areas of life if you if you will be full of the Holy Spirit, if you will life journal. That's why we life journal. That's why we read scripture. I mean, that, like this morning, you heard Ashley speak a word. You heard Ashley talk about a moment that came out of her life journaling. And so he, he'll give a special insight. One of the special insights, he'll give you special insight into what to say. Luke 12, 11. And when they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what, what you ought to say. In other words, when you walk closely with God, when you spend time in his word, when you, because that's God revealing himself to you, he'll tell you what to say. You ever had those moments when you thought of something? It's like, don't say it. Don't you hear the voice? Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. And you say it. And then you're like, shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said it. And it happens a lot in marriage, right? Uh, <laughs> It happens for me in preaching a lot, almost like every service. And so it's like, don't say it, don't say it. Oh, you said it. I cannot believe you said it. And so he'll teach you what to say. The second thing he'll give you insight into, he'll give you insight into what to believe, John 16, 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you 
the things that are to come. In other words, if you'll walk in a spirit-filled life, if you'll be full of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into truth. I mean, we, we should never condemn people who do not know Christ for not being able to understand spiritual truth. They don't have the Holy Spirit. See, God will draw people. And, and the scripture says, and he'll declare to you. And he'll declare to you things to come. I cannot tell you how many times I've been reading scripture and something jumped off the page. And God was preparing me for something. Or giving me insight into a situation or insight into things that were, were to come. Another benefit or another insight that he will give the believer is this. He, <coughs> he will remind you what Jesus taught. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. I mean, have you ever had that situation to where you're, you're talking to someone, maybe in your family, maybe in the office, maybe at school or the neighborhood or whatever, and you're having a conversation, they're going through a difficult time, and all of a sudden you go, oh, 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 wait a minute, I remember something. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I remember years ago I was reading in Scripture. I remember a sermon. I remember something, and you, and you tell them, and it's what they needed to hear. That's, that's the Holy Spirit bringing remembrance to you, life journaling, reading of Scripture, or the Word. And the Scripture also teaches another benefit or insight to the believer is this, is He will guide you where to go. He will help you make decisions about your future. Romans 8.14 For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, this, I, I, I have never made a major decision in my life without peace, without a prompting of the Holy Spirit. I never forget, uh, is many years ago, uh, I was on the north side, I was running some errands, and it was middle of the afternoon, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden I had this prompting to, to and I know you, won't, you probably won't think it's much of a prompting, but it was, uh, to go to Burger King. And, <laughs> and you know what, he doesn't, he doesn't have to twist my arm much for that. And so I'm like, I'm like well, I'll, I'll go to Burger King on the south side. And I had this strong prompting, no, go, go to Burger King on the north side. And I never go to the one on the north side. So I pulled in, and so, you know, I walked in, and... And so, you know, I'm like, well, while I'm here, I'll get a burger. And so, <laughs> so I got a burger, and then that led to fries, apple pie, Coke, and the whole deal. And so uh, I get, I paid, I had my tray, I turn, and as I turn, I look off to the side, and in those days, I don't know what it looks like now, but off to the side, it had like that, that sun room, whatever it is, and there's a couple way off to the side, and they go to our church, and they're like, they stand, he stands up, and he's like, and so I, I walk over and I said, yeah. And he says, is there any way you could sit with us? I said, sure. He had just lost his job. And they didn't know what they were going to do. And he'll prompt you. Some, God ever put someone's name on your heart and you call them and say, I, I cannot get your name off my, are you okay? Or I just want you to know I've been praying for you. And they're like, how did you know? I mean, I, I haven't told my husband, I haven't told my wife, I haven't told anyone. I'm telling you. And he'll guide you. Another benefit or insight that he will give or something that he'll come alongside of, man, he'll comfort the believer in crisis. 
And he'll comfort the believer in crisis. You ever had those periods in your life? Have you ever lost a loved one, lost a relationship, been in a crisis, been in a difficult situation? And you couldn't get any words out to pray? It'd be like a groan. Scripture says it's when the Holy Spirit that's when the, the Holy Spirit will pray and intercede for you on your behalf. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another help, helper to be with you forever to come alongside of you. The last one you may never have thought of as a believer. And it's something someday I'm going to preach an entire, it may have to be a series. He will convict the believer of righteousness. Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he convicts, convinces you of righteousness. And so, so listen, you don't have to worry about your salvation. You don't have to wonder about your salvation. Well, you may need to worry about your salvation if you're not saved. But, uh, but you don't have to wonder about your salvation. You don't have to live life in such a way to where you wonder if you're going to make it to heaven, if you've done more good stuff than bad stuff, someone's going to pray you there, all of that other stuff. You don't have to live your life like that. Scripture says his spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're saved, that you're a believer, that you're a Christian. But watch this. Watch what Jesus says in John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. So we get that. Fact is, I think if we had enough time this morning to take a survey and I ask you, is conviction negative, positive? You'd probably say it's negative. I want, you, I want you to see the positive side. He will convict the world concerning sin and he will convict the believer of righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. Some of you this morning, you're saved. You're a believer. And you, do, you need to be convinced, convicted of righteousness. You've been completely saved. You've been completely forgiven. You're deeply loved in Him. You are perfect. You are complete. You need to be convinced, convicted of your righteousness that in Christ, guess what? You're in right standing with Him. That's the reason we do the Lord's Supper. That's the reason of this ordinance. And in just a few minutes, we're going to take of the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And it's a remembrance of what He has done for us. That he went to the cross and he died and he bled for us. And it's remembrance of our righteousness and who we are in Christ. Listen, let me tell you something. This, this ties so much into my, my testimony. That there, were, there was a period in my life that I was embarrassed by my testimony. And our servers are, are going to get up and begin preparing elements. And, and passing out some plates here in a second. And you know what? You guys are going to have to leave some lights on. Thank you. 
There were... There was so much of a period of my life when I was embarrassed by my testimony, my story, before I met Christ. And there was a process that God took me through and convinced me that I'm totally and completely forgiven, that I am deeply loved, that I am perfect and complete in Him. And some of you this morning, you may need to know that. As the elements come by, there's two cups on, on top of each other. You'll pull both cups. You'll hold them there in place. And then in just a few minutes, we're going to take together the bread and the juice. The scripture says this. The scripture talks about that we should examine our lives before we take of the bread and the juice. And Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This morning, as you sit before him, would you reflect or what he's done for you and how he's forgiven you. As you hold the bread and the, and the juice, the bread and the juice are symbolic of the body and the, the blood of Christ. That he was the perfect sacrifice, perfect lamb. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. And then he went to the cross and he 
He died and he bled and he was resurrected on the third day. And because of that, we totally and completely forgiven. We are deeply loved in him. We're perfect in him. We are in right standing with God. And as a result, we can live life differently. Because we know that our identity is in Christ, not in anything else. Before we take of the bread and before we take of the juice, let me pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we just ask that as we take of the bread and we take of the juice, May we remember your sacrifice. May we remember what you have done for us. And that through the cross, we have a relationship with a holy and a perfect and a righteous God. And may we live life differently. Full of the Holy Spirit. As we follow you, for we ask these saints in Jesus' name, amen. Take the bread with me, please. Take the juice with me. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is, what is, what is your next step? What is your next step as a believer? Every one of us in this room have a next step. Regardless of where we are, regardless of how long we've been been a a, a believer every one of us have a have a next step so let me ask you what does the holy spirit want you to do what is your what is your next step you may be here with us this this morning and you say you know what i i'm just carrying a burden i just need prayer well you're in a great place we want to pray for you we really do we want to minister to you and so if you're here and you say you know what i i'm just carrying a burden i just i just need someone to pray for me well, we want to pray for you. So in just a few moments after I pray, we're going to stand. And if you're carrying a burden, and if you need prayer, then I'm going to ask you that as you stand after I pray, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front. We'll have some prayer partners coming with you. We'll have some prayer partners that will greet you down here. Tell them your name, how they can pray for you. But we want to lift that burden. We want to minister to you. We want to add our faith to your faith. So if you need prayer in any area, After I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name. And we ask that you draw this church very closely to you. And that we'd minister to one another. And that prayers would be answered and people would be uh, encouraged and find comfort and find support. As we intercede for one another, as we pray for one another. Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.